0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 John, the book of 1 John in chapter number 2. We've been walking through a series through the book of 1 John kind of with the subtitle of Walking with Jesus walking with Jesus, that Jesus Christ has a desire for his people who have trusted him as personal savior to trust him to accept Jesus Christ and then to walk with him for the rest of their lives. That it's all the idea of knowing who God is. And throughout the book of 1 John, we see this phrase that hereby we know him. And it gives several birthmarks, several ways that we can know him. And then we also see through the rest of 1 John, the results of knowing him. Because we know Him, this is what happens. Because we know Him, this is what's available. Because we know Him, this is what should be evident in our life. And we've walked our way all the way up to the book of 1 John in chapter number 2. The book of 1 John in chapter number 2, and if you wouldn't mind noticing with me, starting in verse number 12. The book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 12, the Word of God says this, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because ye have known the father. I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and because the word of God, God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark uh, a phrase or the idea of a phrase that appears three times in this passage? Notice, if you wouldn't mind, in verse 13 where it says, Have known him, that him is God, so known him. Notice at the end of verse 13 that you have known the Father, known the Father. And then once again in verse 14 where it talks about that ye have known him known him and with the Lord's help I'd like to preach to you a message about knowing God knowing God that's k-n-o-w knowing God if you wouldn't mind let's go to the Lord together and let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And we appreciate the great privilege it is to be in your house this morning and that you've made it available and you allowed us to gather together in your name. As we come up to you, I'm praying that we could be an encouragement, that we could be a blessing, that we could be a help, that you could take people from where they are and bring them to the next level. I'm praying specifically that because of this message that we would make decisions, that we would look in our own lives and that we would have a purpose to know you more I'm asking again that you would just open up things give me the health and life and strength that I need to preach your word Lord I recognize that I'm nothing of myself and I have no ability of myself and even now I'm conscious of my own inadequacies and my own infirmities so the best that I know how I surrender myself to you my thoughts my ambitions my goals my desires and I give them to you And ask that you fill me with your precious spirit. And that you get your own work accomplished through your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In this passage here, it's identifying three different groups of people that we find uh, in, in a church in the Christian realm. Little children, young men, and fathers. And here he addresses them both twice each time. He talks about little children and he says this. He says young men and he says this. And he talks about fathers and he says this. Here in this passage here, we can see that there is an idea of spiritual growth. And there are stages of spiritual growth. And there's others mentioned throughout scripture. But here it combines three of them together uh, of three specific stages of spiritual growth. Now, when we talk about spiritual growth, we're just not talking about age. For example, someone can be saved 30 years and certain things are are in their life. We're not talking about age. We're talking about spiritual maturity. For example, that same man who I mentioned who may have been saved 30 years, he may have sat in a church or kind of popped in and out, but he can still be a spiritual little child because he has never grown in the Lord that different people are at different stages in their Christian life. And this deals with maturity. And how does someone become mature in the Lord? Well, the Bible says it and gives hints on it over and over. It is all about knowing Him. Knowing Him. Now, when we talk about knowing Him, just to define our terms and to be clear, this isn't just about facts and figures. We're not just talking about, well, I know that this is... Uh, that Jesus lived here and that he went here and he went here, those are good things to know, but when we're talking about knowing him, we're talking about knowing him experientially, meaning that you've experienced him for yourself. You have gotten to know him. you know, for example, there's a difference between knowing a person knowing things about a person and knowing them. for example, we have a president currently right now, president. Uh, Barack Obama he is the current president you may know some things about him but as far as I know no one in here knows him personally saying yeah me we hung out at his house we we ate dinner with him I I, I got to shake his hand you know that is a difference between knowing facts and figures and knowing him experientially I talked to him I spent time with him God wants us to know facts and figures but more importantly he wants us to know him personally he wants us to experience him for himself and that's how we grow in the Lord by knowing him if you wouldn't mind hold your finger here and I'd like to turn with me have you turn with me to the book of Exodus and 33 and I'd like to show you the best passage in all the world in all the Bible that explains biblical separation. The book of Exodus chapter number three thirty-three. you said wait a second you were just talking about knowing God now you want us to turn to a passage about biblical separation don't worry they're going to tie in together in just a second but these things go together this idea of maturing in the Lord and it happens by knowing him. Notice if you wouldn't mind in the book of Exodus in chapter 33 Moses is here and he's speaking with God he's already been received the Ten Commandments. He's already been given the, um, the plans for the tabernacle. Now, if you wouldn't mind, in the book of Exodus in chapter 33, notice with me starting at verse 12. Exodus 33 and verse 12, the Bible says this, And Moses said unto the Lord, See, Thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou shalt not let me know whom thou wilt sit with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may consider, may find grace. In thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Here we see Moses is in a conversation with God. In fact, a little bit later in this conversation, he's going to say, let me see you in a presence. And God is going to hold him in the cleft of the rock and place his hand there. And he's going to walk by and allow Moses to see God. But as he's talking with God, notice what his prayer request is in verse 13. He says, that I may know thee. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee. Do you know the two greatest Christians that we have recorded in the Bible is Moses and Paul, Old Testament and New Testament. And both of them at the zenith, the height of their ministries, both had the same prayer request, that I may know him that I may know thee, Lord, that I may know God. Both of them had the same desire to know God. In this passage here, the best thing about biblical separation is that as we know God and we are filled with God, God naturally pushes aside all those other things in our life. You know, the things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my life to Him. When you know Him, He pushes things out of your life. When you get to know Him, He makes you spiritually mature. As you know Him, your life ...naturally changes. Some people put an emphasis on changing the life. They want to change the outside. They want to change how people dress... ...and how people talk and what people do. And they work more on the behaviors. And we're all about the behaviors. But we believe that God changes us from the inside out. And that as you get to know Him... ...He naturally changes your life. As you get to know Him... ...He naturally changes your desires and who you are... It's all about getting to know him. The same thing is true in the spiritual maturity that if you want to become spiritually mature, it all centers around one thing, knowing him. Knowing him. This is why some people mature faster than others. Some people just fall in love with him in an early age right after salvation and they just give their whole life of knowing him. And there's some others that kind of piddle around kind of like an old broken down car that just kind of putters along and they, you know, read my Bible here, hear a good sermon here. And they could hear the same sermon as everyone else, but sometimes they just don't have an interest of knowing Him. That's the difference in spiritual maturity. That's how you grow. That's where you're at. And by the way, there's never a place where you say, I know everything about God I need to know. Even the oldest, wisest person who's walked with God all those years can know God more. That's why Moses and Paul at the height of the ministry wanted to know more about him. They still wanted to grow. There was still more to things. By the way, your pastor, if he's worth his salt, should always be growing in the Lord. And you guys should always be seeing your pastor grow. You should be seeing yourself growing. You should see that I'm closer with God experientially, personally, than what I was this time last month. I should continually be moving forward. I should continually be growing. And as you do that, we'll reach different stages of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. Now with that being said, laying a foundation down, let's look at these different stages of spiritual growth back in 1 John in chapter number 2. 1 John in chapter number 2, And we see three different stages that are mentioned here in this passage. The first one I want to show you is little children. Little children. Notice if you wouldn't mind what he says about little children. Let's start at verse 12. It says in 1 John 2 and verse 12, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. This stage of spiritual growth is little children who are trying to get assurance of their salvation. They're trying to learn what they have in the Lord. They're just now experiencing it. And one of the things that they need to be reminded of is that little children, I write these things unto you. Why? Because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. He says, the only good thing that you have in you is God. He says, God has forgiven you of so much. Little children, you know how little children are. They almost match the stages of physical growth. You remember that little children, you take a, a toddler. You know, a toddler doesn't have the same understanding that an adult has. You could try to explain to them, but they, they, they don't have a concept. You know, that's why they ask why. For example, you know, if you're trying to say as a parent that you're trying to explain your toddler, don't play out in the street. You say, Why? Because there could be this big two-ton truck that comes this way, and if it hits you, it's going to hurt. You know, sometimes they don't have an understanding that there's a danger there. Sometimes you just need to say, because I said so. They understand that, because I said so. And so sometimes they lack a spiritual understanding that little children do, but what they need to be reminded of is that their sins have been forgiven, not because they're anything special, but because God's a special God. And He loves them so much that He's forgiven them of all of their sins and that they should have a desire to sin less and less because God has forgiven their sins, he, that, that they should grow in Him. Notice the second thing it says about little children, bouncing back, if you wouldn't mind, at the end of verse 13. At the end of verse 13, it says, I write unto you, little children, Why? Because ye have known the Father. The Father. Notice the name of God here. It is Father. He says, little children, you know who Daddy is. You know, one of the first things that a child says is Mama or Daddy. It recognizes the parents. The the child's able to go and it it may not know everything in the world, but it knows who Daddy is and it knows who Mama is. You try to give it to a stranger, the, the, the baby doesn't go, oh, it's mom over here and another mama over here. The baby knows who mama is and the baby knows who daddy is. And so a brand new child in Christ, one of the things we try to encourage them is that you know who your daddy is and keep looking at daddy. You can trust daddy. You can trust him. He is your father. Look up to your father. Love your father. Look at him. Trust him. Know who your daddy is. Trust who your father is. And explain that the relationship. You might, uh, uh, someone who's, who's brand new Christian, they're not going to understand spiritual warfare. They're not going to understand that Satan hates them so much that he's going to try to destroy them. He does, they don't understand all these spiritual things. But one thing you can say is that when you do have problems, go to your father. Go to your father. Go to your father. Go get a hug from him. You know, one of the things that I love to imagine about God is I imagine that when things get rough, going up and letting him give me a big hug. Now, I understand he doesn't physically give me a hug, but he can give me his presence and let me know that everything's going to be all right because he loves me and I can go to my father. And some people, they may not understand all the spiritual things, but they understand that God is real and that he's their father. You know, it's almost like explaining the blood of Christ. You know, we could get into the idea of the study of the blood, that when they get saved, all they know is that Jesus died for them. We could get a little bit maturity and explain how the blood washes away. Then later on, as you study a little bit more, you could study about justification and redemption and reconciliation, propitiation, and get into all the big words and stuff. You know, a little child's not going to understand all those words. A baby Christian's not going to understand all the in and outs of what the blood does to us and washes it away. All he knows is that he's been forgiven of his sins and that he has a father who loves us. And that as he gets to know the father, he begins to gain more understanding in other spiritual matters. So we have the first stage that is mentioned here, little children, little children. The second stage that is mentioned in this text here is young men young men notice what the bible says here about young men notice in verse number 13 and in the middle of the passage it says I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one here it says this stage of spiritual growth is a place where young men are starting to stand on their own. They're starting to get victories over the devil. They're starting to get victories over the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're starting to learn that they can trust God. By the way, in the Christian life, you get victories not because of something you did. You get victories by allowing God to fight the battles for you. These are young men who've become mature enough and know God enough that they can trust God to get the victory that they've put on the spiritual armor they're trusting God they're depending upon him and they're allowing God to fight the battles for them and they're seeing victories in their life not just one or two but they're consistently seeing victories in their life that they're seeing more victories than defeats that is because you're trusting God they've learned to trust him and they're getting they're getting spiritually stronger After test, after test, after test. And they're getting victory after victory after victory. Notice at the end of verse number 14, and we see something else about young men. It says, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Notice this qualifier here. How do you know that he's a young man? Because the word of God abideth in him. That is the only way we get victories. If you want to grow spiritually, it comes with reading the Bible, learning the Bible, trusting the Bible. This is why your pastor shouts week after week after week. The greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to read the Word of God for yourself. And by the way, it's not just a verse a day (laughs) or a chapter a day. Feast on the Word of God. The more of the Word of God you place in you, the stronger you are. Why? Because you know Him. The whole purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. And that the more that you read the Bible for the purpose of seeking God, the more you get to know God, not just facts and figures, but to know Him personally and spend time with Him. That's why when we don't spend time in God's Word, we are weak spiritually. We all must be in God's Word. It is the only way, let me, listen to me. I'm not trying to uh, exaggerate. In fact, I cannot put enough emphasis. The only way you will grow spiritually is if you are strong in your Bible. They are equated. The amount of Bible reading you have is the amount of spiritual growth to a large degree. That if you only pick at your Bible, you're going to be weak and anemic and not strong. If you feel like you're weak spiritually, read the Bible. You need that strength. I cannot underscore it. There is no shortcuts I don't know if you you were like me, and I hope you wasn't. But, you know, remember in elementary and high school, middle school days, your, your school days where you had to go work out, you know, and they told you to do 100 push-ups, you know, and 1, 2, 3, 12, 20, you know, and you start skipping numbers. Do you know at the end, all of that, the only person you hurt is yourself? Nobody really cares what you did or how many you did. If you said, ah, oh, yeah, I did 100 I and you only did 20, the only person you hurt is yourself. You know, when you skip your Bible reading out and kind of, you know, just kind of read it, let every eye touch every word in the page and just kind of play with it, the only person you're hurting is yourself. You need to be in the Bible yourself. The only way to get strong is to work out. The only way to get strong spiritually is to read the Word of God. There is no shortcuts to knowing God. There's no magic formula. There's no potion. There's no uh, secret backdoor code. The only way to get to know God is through His Word and getting to know Him. And as you get to know him, as you start reading the Bible, as you start getting spiritual victories, you move from one stage to another. And you start get to the place where God is using you. And you're seeing victories. You're putting on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 7 speaks about the whole armor of God. To putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Putting on the helmet of salvation. Having your uh, loins girded with truth. Having your feet shod with the gospel of peace. When you turn into a young man and spiritually young ladies if you would prefer in a politically correct world that as you become a young man spiritually you are going to be in the place where you're consistently telling people about the Lord it's part of the gospel armor that you have you're getting prepared and that's part of, part of the victories that you're seeing you're overcoming the 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 evil one you're overcoming the world you're overcoming the flesh and you're telling people about the Lord and you're seeing victories as you're going out Now, some people will plateau here that they get to the place where they grow, where they're seeing victories and they're they're watching um, people come to know Christ and they kind of plateau. But you know, there's more spiritual growth after that. Notice if you wouldn't mind this last phrase that they have here in the word of God. Notice if you wouldn't mind, it says father. So we have little children, young men, and then fathers. Notice in verse 13, I write unto you, Fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. That's all he says. Notice again in verse number 14. I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. You say, wait a second here. That's it? That's it? That's how you know as a father because you've known him? Yes, you've known him. You see, the whole secret to spiritual growth is knowing Him. Knowing Him. And it goes on and explains in another passage. We'll get there in a second. But you know what fathers should be doing? In fact, the only thing to be a father is to reproduce yourself. You know what Christians reproduce? Other Christians. You disciple. God saves them, but it is your responsibility to raise that child in Christ for the Lord. It is your responsibility to teach them how to walk in the Lord. And when someone starts discipling, they leave that plateau and they grow faster than they think they've ever grown before. It's just moving from one plateau to another to another. And once you start discipling, you start reproducing yourself. You start teaching someone how to follow the Lord for themselves, not just winning them to the Lord, but taking responsibility to train them and to teach them Oh, you grow so much. It's amazing what happens. Notice if you wouldn't mind, we'll come back here in just a second. Look with me just a couple books back to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews in chapter 5. Notice what the book of Hebrews says dealing with this idea of the mature. Notice with me if you wouldn't mind, Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 5. Notice with me Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Now, Hebrews is a very in-depth book. In fact, where he's talking about is about Melchizedek. And basically, as he's preaching in Hebrews chapter 5, he's writing and he's explaining about Melchizedek. Now, if you wouldn't mind, use your divine imagination. He's talking about Melchizedek and he's getting really excited about it, but he looks out in the crowd, and he's watching a bunch of the people in the pew sleeping. You know, they're hearing Melchizedek and they're bored to tear. What in the world? And he says, wake up! Wake up! He says, you want to know why you're bored with Melchizedek He says, verse 11, "...of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing." He says, I got some great things to tell you, but you're falling asleep and you're not listening and you're bored. He says, now let me clear off a spot here. He's going to talk about Melchizedek a little bit more, but he takes a pause and he says, listen here, you want to know why Mechizedek's not exciting? Because you're not spiritually mature. Verse 12. For when the time was when you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, which are to become such as need milk and not strong meat. For For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But the strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, meaning maturity, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He says, some of you have been saved for quite a while. And we preach the Bible and you check out. You're bored and say, Oh, come on, can't preachers talk about something more exciting than Melchizedek? Oh. And they're not excited about the things of the Lord. And Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrew, so if you forgive me, I'm gonna say Paul. Paul is saying, listen here, the reason why you're bored, the reason why you're asleep, the reason why you can't get excited about it is because when you should have been teaching someone else, we have to go back to the basics with you and go to the milk. What's the milk? we have to go remind people who have been saved for 20 years, read your Bible, pray, be faithful to church, give to the Lord, be a soul winner, be a faithful witness. And he says, we shouldn't have to be remind people who have been saved all this, these years to do these things. You should be out teaching people how to do these things. But instead, you've kind of not matured. And now you can't handle the deep things of the Bible. We have to go back and just hit the same message over and over. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray. 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 Show up to church. Show up to church. You know, and go through these. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, what he calls them. He calls them babies. Now he's trying trying to be mean. He's saying this is where you're at spiritually. Verse number 12. For when the time... For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye need one that teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are as such as need milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Notice that phrase unskillful. And you say, well, I think I'm skillful. Some of you may say, well, I'm not unskillful. How about we put it like this? Let's say that you were on a plane And you crashed on a deserted island with no hope of rescue. And you have no Bible. Could you teach the people on the island based off of your own scripture memory and what you know about the Bible? Could you teach someone else and help them become effective Christians? Not just a Christian, but effective Christians with a Bible knowledge that you have readily available? This is what we're talking about skillful and unskillful. Do you have enough Bible knowledge to teach someone else the word of God? Do you have enough ready, available, ready to go? And this is what the Bible says. This is what spiritually mature people are able to do. They're able to teach the word of God. Now, we always want to use the Bible, but let's just say that something happens and you don't have a Bible. Can you effectively teach someone what the Word of God says? Can you teach them the basics? Can you teach someone how to follow the Lord and how to walk with the Lord with just the Bible that you have in your mind and in your heart and have available? For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age or spiritually mature, even by those who by reason or even those who by reason of use. Notice this, this idea of use have their senses exercised. I know that's a bad word in some of our society here, but exercise. You know how you get more discernment by exercising it, by using it. You know how you, what is discernment by the way? Discernment is far seeing. It's just not seeing where someone is. It's seeing where they're headed. There may be some people who seem to be very close to you now. Oh, they believe kind of the same thing. We're pretty close. It, discernment is not just seeing where they're at, but what path they're taking, where they're going, where they're heading. That's what discernment is. It's far sight, And that comes by the word of God and exercising it. And that is a mark of spiritual maturity. Now, again, why am I saying this? Well, first of all, because it was next up. This is what the Bible said. This is the next passage, and we want to explain it. But what do we want for you? Why am I preaching this? Because I want you to become spiritually mature. And the only way to become spiritually mature is by knowing Him. Knowing Him. I want you to be in your Bible. I want you to be praying. I want you to be learning more about God. I want you to experience it for yourself. I want you to get to the place where God is using you and you're seeing victories in your life. I want to see you in the place where not only are you telling people about the Lord, but you're getting to the place where you're also teaching them how to follow the Lord, where you become skillful in the Word of God, where you're using the Word of God effectively to bring people close to you. Now, What we do is we recognize where people are at and bring them to the next level. Someone says, well, I'm a babe. There's nothing wrong. Wherever you're at, what you do is you take where you're at and move forward. If you're a babe, Go to a young child. If you're a young child, go to a regular child. It, just continue to mature. If you're a young child, turn into a young man. As you're a young man, turn into to a father. If you're t- a father, turn into an elder. If you're an elder, then turn to an aged. Each of these are spiritual maturity marks that are found in the word of God that you need to go where you're at and go to the next level. And it comes by knowing him. So I guess the bottom line, what we're asking you now, is do you have a desire to know him? Is it something that you've marked in your life, said, I want to know him? I know him better every day. I know him better every day. Close by is. <laughs> now, nah, I just forgot the nest of the words. That's, that's so much for that. But that's the idea. You need to be getting closer with Him each and every day, each and every week. You need to look back and say, you know what? I am closer with the Lord now than what I was a month ago. I'm closer with the Lord now than what I was a year ago. You should be able to see yourself going closer and closer and closer to know Him. Maybe the thing is, is that it's not a spiritually mature issue. Maybe it's a thing where you've never known him in the first place. May I ask you a question, dear friend? Are you 100% sure if something was to happen to you? Are you 100% sure that you'd be going to heaven? Let me tell you, you can know. The Bible says in 1 John five thirteen, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life that you have everlasting life. God wants you to know. He doesn't want you to hope or guess or think. He wants you to know and know for sure and know why. You see, Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, to pay for everything you've done against God because you owed God a price for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but everlasting life you see we do have a wonderful God and he loves us so very much and once we come to know Christ as a savior he doesn't want to just say all right you're saved good luck have fun he wants us to get to know him more and more and more may our prayers be the same prayers that Paul and Moses had that I may know